Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome everybody out to our church this morning. It's good to be here. And uh, as many of you probably know, today is what uh, many refer to as Palm Sunday, which of course signifies Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, it's interesting, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 speaks of that, and it foretells of how that was going to come to be. And of course, whenever God says something's going to happen, we know it will happen. And it did happen. And Jesus Christ did, of course, make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, what's interesting about that, I'm, I'm going to have Cole come up when, wherever he is in a moment and uh, read that passage of scripture in John. But it's interesting, those same people that cried out, Hosanna, and called him the king, shortly thereafter, they would, of course, be the same people that would cry, crucify him. And uh, we know, and as we'll see today, that uh, that had to happen. Christ had to be crucified so that we could get forgiveness of our sin. So while, of course, it is uh, uh, maybe seen as a tragic thing and a, and a hard thing and, and, and sad, it's, it's really awesome because in his death, we have victory. So we can praise the Lord for that and be thankful for that. So I'll have uh, Cole come on up, and he's going to read the portion of Scripture for us this morning. And uh, I appreciate him doing that. So let's go ahead and read that, Cole. Good morning. Today I'll be reading from John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. On the next day, much people that would come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel, cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as is written, <clears throat> written, Fear not, daughter of Sion, behold, the king cometh, sitting on a donkey's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were, were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave, and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how we prevail nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. Amen. Thank you for that, Cole. Well, in just a second here, I'm going to have a missionary letter be read. And, of course, it is going to be uh, the Taylor family to Chile. And I, I believe it wasn't that long ago we had an update letter from them. And uh, Hallie, the wife, she's been having a lot of complications with pregnancy. And, of course, we want to make sure that we keep them in prayer. Um, she's had a lot of hard time just getting up and, and going about her normal life. And uh, as we'll see in the letter, uh, they're actually going to be pushing back their date from when they were going to be going to Chile, and they're pushing it back a little bit uh, just to help accommodate for them. And I'm going to have Joshua come up and, and read that for us. Uh, I told him, you know, it's his first time reading a missionary letter and praying, as he is a member now. So uh, just I told him, just take your time, you know, and people will be patient. You won't get too many boos, and no, nobody will throw tomatoes at you or anything, hopefully. Uh, but I'll have him come on up and read that, and he'll open the service in prayer for us this morning. Taylor's to Chile, dear praying friends, we have another big announcement. We decided to leave for Chile after the birth of our baby. We have mixed emotions about the decision, but are grateful and excited overall. We are thankful that God closed the door to leave in June because it relieves the stress of moving to a new country late in pregnancy. My prayer since 2019 was that we 
would return to Chile in June 2023. God has been faithfully providing for both our support and outfit and passage fund. However, acquiring a Chile visa is taking longer than anticipated. We will not receive the visa until shortly before the baby is born. Because of this and the difficulty of pregnancy for Haley, we will have the baby here in Atlanta. As we prayed about it and sought godly counsel, God made this decision very clear to us in the middle of March, and we are thankful for his leading and protection. He is always good. We are excited that our families will meet the baby before we leave, which is also a huge blessing. Lord willing, both of our parents and siblings will have a chance to visit us before we move to Santiago. This month, Haley has been able to travel with me, although she has not been able to attend every service. However, she, we saw some very significant improvements once she hit 16 weeks pregnant. Although she is still not feeling completely better, we pray that she continues improving. We appreciate each of your prayers for our baby and us. We are praising the Lord for improved health and healthy baby. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you have done for us. Uh, please be with all the prayer requests and praises that they have given us, Lord. And uh, I'd like to pray for uh, healthy um, for healthy pregnancy for Haley and that everything goes well. Uh, um, and I also pray for them uh, acquiring their visas, Lord, that they will... Uh, get them sooner rather than later, and that uh, you uh, be with their outfit and passage fund as uh, uh, you, they keep giving, and that we'll get more and more. And I, we have a couple, uh, couple praises that 90% uh, of uh, the support we have that's a big praise for them, Lord, and hope uh, more will come. And I also have a big, a big praise for them as a clear plan for departure from where they are at, Lord, that you will keep uh, them as they go. And I also uh, pray for them as they're traveling uh, to Tennessee, Louisiana, and Virginia as they have meetings in those places. And I also pray that you will be with this uh, service, Lord, as uh, give the pastor words right, give the pastor the right words to speak, Lord. And they will be with us as we uh, hear from your word. And they will take everything that the pastor has given us, Lord, and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, everybody. Before we start our passage here, I just, uh, <laughs> before we start our worship service, I want to read a passage. I've got the two mixed up here. The song we're going to sing is called Grace Greater Than Our Sin, and I wanted to read a passage that speaks on that from Romans 5, and uh, you'll see what I mean. It starts off by saying this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him who was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, 
For, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Stand with me as we sing our first song, Grace Greater Than All Our Sin. It will be on the screen, but also on page 293 of your hymnal. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is great.
right, at this time we're going to have our time of greeting, so say hi to your neighbors. everybody. We're going to continue our, our service by singing song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, and that will only be on the screen. How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us. 
which is treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to verse there. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all of my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. It's a joy to know that all of your sins have been forgiven uh, because of what Christ did for us on the cross in bearing our sins and atoning for us. Our next song we're going to sing is Complete in Thee and also it will only be on the screen. in thee no work of mine may take dear lord the place of thine thy blood hath pardoned bought for me and i am now complete in thee yea justified O blessed thought and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath in thee I die to sin thy grace hath conquered reign within thy voice shall bid the tempter flee and I shall stand complete in thee yea justified O blessed thought and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath pardoned for me. 
take up our morning offering at this point. So let's do Carl and Alan, if you wouldn't mind. Alan, would you pray for the, the offering? chapter 3, and children, you are dismissed to junior church, uh, Mark chapter 3, and uh, it is good to be saved, isn't it? Thank God we have our sins forgiven, and uh, some great songs that we sang this morning that really speak to that, and uh, we're in Mark chapter 3, and we are coming close to the end of this chapter, and if, just remember that over the last couple weeks, we've seen Jesus Christ face tremendous opposition both from his family but also familiar foes and the scribes and the Pharisees and remember uh, we saw how uh, last week that the there were scribes that traveled all the way from Jerusalem and according to Luke's gospel it tells us that Jesus Christ he he casted out a demon and when they when the scribes saw this they saw him cast out a demon uh, they could not deny his power and it's very obvious that this this person that they thought, they said, man, this person has power. So they could not deny it because they saw this demon get casted out. So they said, well, 
He did this with the power of Satan himself. Uh, they, and so they, they really uh, denied the fact, again, that he was God, and they uh, simply said that he was an agent of Satan. And in that, we see, yet again, the scribes and the Pharisees having a rejection of the truth of Jesus Christ. In that, we see blatant disbelief. And in that, we see what Christ calls, in Mark chapter 3, uh, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Mark chapter 3. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemes wherewith uh, soever they shall blaspheme. But he that blaspheme against the Holy Spirit hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said, He hath an unclean spirit. Let's pray. You God, I thank you so much for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, this morning that uh, for those of us here that are your children, that we will rejoice in that and that we will be thankful for that and that we will praise you for it, Lord. I pray that you will, you'll give us joy and help us this morning uh, to see the wonderful truth that we have forgiveness from you and therefore we should give you our life. And Lord, I pray that you'll be with those this morning that have yet to, tr to trust in you, who's, these people that may be among us who have not been forgiven of their sins. I pray that today will be the day that you draw them and that you show them the truth and that they will call upon your name and be saved. I pray, Lord, that you'll just give us uh, exactly what we need this morning as we open your word and we uh, see what you have to say in the Bible. I pray you'll give me the right words to say and that uh, you'll just uh, edify us and challenge us and change our hearts, Lord. Help us to have hearts that are, are geared towards you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our hearts this morning as we see uh, the, the powerful truths from your word. In your holy and precious name, amen. I want you to consider this morning, if I were to ask you, what is the worst news that you could ever receive? Think about what that would be. The majority of us probably, if we were to answer that question honestly, then we would probably answer that question with an earthly mindset. Maybe you would say, well, to be diagnosed with a deadly disease, that would be the worst news that I could ever receive. To be diagnosed with something that uh, would cause a lot of pain and suffering physically, uh, that would be the worst news that I could ever get. Maybe you'd say that the news that your child is going to suffer through pain, maybe that would be the worst news that you could ever receive. Or maybe the news that someone you love has died. Or maybe it would be that you've lost every investment and every retirement plan uh, that you've ever made. Or maybe it would even be the, the, the fact that, the own, that your own death is nigh and it is coming. Or maybe it would be the news that you've lost your job, or you've lost your home, or you've lost your entire family. Now each of us here, we all have no doubt gotten terrible news. Maybe you've had news come to you that's just shaking you to your core, or news that's just changed your life in a way that wasn't very pleasant. News that just shattered your world. Maybe a phone call that was just, uh, somebody gave you news that you never wanted to get. We've all had bad news come our way. And news that we just despise to hear. But listen, I submit to you this morning that there is no news as tragic and as terrible as the news that God will never forgive you for your sins. That is tragic news. That is terrible news. And for many, this news will be revealed to them in the worst way. 
as they stand before a holy and mighty and perfect God, and then they are forever separated from His presence. But in our text that we read this morning, church, we find great hope for those that are trusting in Jesus Christ. We find help for those that have yet to come to Him and are still being drawn by the Holy Spirit, but... For those that choose to continue to reject the truth of Christ, we find very horrific news that will soon become a reality. Let's look again at Mark chapter 3. Look at verse 28. It says in verse 28, Jesus speaking, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and the blasphemes wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. Now I'm going to just stop right there. Jesus, remember, uh, he... He was really rebuking the scribes because they said, well, uh, he, didn't, he did not uh, cast this demon out uh, by the power of God, but rather by the, the power of Satan. And in this verse, starting with verse 28, he really begins to change his tone. He begins by reasoning with the scribes that were in disbelief, and now he's giving them a, a very stern warning. But before he does this, he shares a very wonderful truth. And this is a truth that should bring his people great joy. And this is a truth that should awaken those that are not yet his. He starts out verse 28. Look at it again. What it says. It says, verily I say unto you. Well, what does that mean? He's saying, with truth, I'm speaking unto you. What I'm about to say is true. It's real. It's genuine. What, what I'm about to say is true. And what is this truth? Well, look again. Look at verse 28. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men. Now, let's just stop right there for a little bit and realize how incredible this really is. This is amazing. I, I know that there are probably some here this morning whose sins maybe have not been forgiven. If that's you, then listen carefully. I want you to know that God is a forgiving God. If you believe on Jesus Christ, anything that you've ever done can be forgiven. God's forgiveness is not like the forgiveness that we give. What do we do? We, you know, if somebody wrongs us, we might say, well, yeah, I forgive them, but we still remember Oh, I'll never trust them again. No, no. God's forgiveness, what does he do? He casts it into the depths of the sea. It's as far away as the east is from the west. He does not remember it anymore. He does not hold it against us. And in our text, uh, Jesus says that all sins can be forgiven. You know what that word all means? Anybody know? All. All. That's what it means. It means literally any and every sin. Now, here's the thing, okay? There's no sin excluded from this uh, list of all, except, of course, for the one that's mentioned by Jesus, and we're going to see that later. But I want you to understand that if you believe on Christ and you trust in Him for forgiveness of your sins, then literally all sins will be covered. This forgiveness that Jesus speaks of, it means remitted. It means covered, delivered, and released. Jesus is informing these wicked men that he is able and willing to completely release them from every sin if they would just trust in him. He is able to deliver you as well from every sin that you've ever committed. And he's able to release you from the bondage of every sin that you've ever committed in every sense. He is able to cover the debt of your sin if you would just believe on Christ. 
He is able. He is ready. And he is waiting. And if you've not yet done this, listen. He is inviting you to trust in him today and get forgiveness from God. Look at Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86. Now I just, I'm, we're really slowing down here. And, you know, a lot of people, they, when I, I've, I've heard people preach on this passage before, and it's always, and I told Mike this this morning, it's always the unpardonable sin. We always focus on, on, on what the unforgivable sin is and the fact that it's, you know, there's a certain sin that's just unpardonable. And we're going to get to that, and we should get to that. But I think it'd be wise for us to just stop for a moment and say, look, every sin that we've ever committed can be forgiven. That's, that's a pretty awesome thing. That's a positive thing. Instead of just focusing the entire message on the negative, it's good to see a positive. So look at Psalm chapter 86, verse 5. Look what it says. For thou, Lord, art good. And let me just stop right there. Even in the Old Testament, guys, God was good. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Hey, look, God was good, and God is good. And he is ready to forgive every trespass that you've ever committed. He shows us mercy by granting forgiveness to every soul that calls upon him for it. We know the verse, Romans chapter 10, the verses, verse 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now you might be saved, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So look, all that believe on Christ, all that turn to Him, they can be saved. They can be forgiven by God. I like the story that I read about a 12-year-old boy. He was uh, around his family's geese, and, and he was... Uh, throwing rocks, and so he didn't mean to do it, but uh, he accidentally killed one of his family's geese as he was throwing stones, and it just bounced the wrong way and, and killed one of the geese. And uh, he figured, you know, my parents aren't going to notice because it's only one out of the 24 that they have. So, you know, they just kind of, he, he thought he could be secretive about it. So what he did was uh, he just discreetly, or so he thought, discreetly went and buried it, and he hid it. But his sister, his little sister, love little sisters, right? His little sister saw his crime. And uh, like every good brother or sister would do, she saw a, an opportunity that she took advantage of. And she said to her brother, I saw what you did. And if you don't do the dishes for me, I'm going to tell mom. Well, that boy, that poor soul... <laughs> He did the dishes for days. He was held under the subjection of his sister in fear that he would be found out. But one day, after days and days of doing dishes for uh, his sister, and of course his parents didn't know what was wrong with him, like, what is this kid doing? But after days, the boy had enough. And he said, you know what? To his sister, he said, you know what? I'm done doing your dishes. You do them now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm over this. Well, his sister simply said, that's fine, but I'm going to tell mom now. So the boy replied, though, he said, guess what? 
I already confessed to my mom. And she forgave me, so I am free. And church, that is a great picture of salvation. And the forgiveness that we receive from God when we trust in Christ. Satan might try to hold it over your head, but if you've trusted in Christ, you're free. You're no longer under bondage. You're no longer under subjection of Satan. The very moment that one places their faith and trust in Christ, all sins are forgiven. The very moment that one trusts in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as he died and was buried and rose again, they receive the remission of sins. And I want you just to consider the gravity of this truth. I've been thinking a lot about this because I just love that line in Mark chapter 3, verse 28, that all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of man. Listen close. Every single lie, every moment of envy, every situation that you may have caused strife in, every act of bitterness, every time that you've complained, every moment of greed or lust or idolatry or anger or disobedience of, from God or to your parents or whatever it may be, if you repent and believe the gospel, every one of those sins are forgiven, they're gone, they're covered, the slate has been wiped clean. And that's such an awesome truth. Every single sin, past, present, and future, can be covered by the blood of Christ if you would just trust in Him. And even those sins that nobody knows about, even those sins that you would be ashamed for anybody to find out about, God knows about it, and He still offers you forgiveness from it. You might say, well, you know, I don't know, Pastor. I, I was a pretty bad guy X amount of years ago. Hey, listen. If you trust in Christ, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done. There is no sin that God will not forgive for those that are trusting in Him. Now, we have an Old Testament picture. Uh, many, many Old Testament pictures and, and, and different passages of Scripture that talk about the forgiveness that we get from God. And I want to look at that. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 6. And then after that, we're going to go to Romans chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 6, look at verse 7. It's an Old Testament picture of the forgiveness that was given by God. And of course, on this day that we're going to read about, the, the Israelites, they would receive forgiveness of sin, but only for a year. And they had to do this over and over again. Look at verse 7 of Leviticus chapter 6. It says, And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done, in trespassing therein. Go to Leviticus 19. Leviticus chapter 19. And look at verse 22. Leviticus 19 verse 22. The Bible says, And the priest shall make an atonement. Notice that word, atonement for him with the ram of trespass offering before the Lord for his sin which he hath done, and the sin which he hath done shall be forgiven him. Again, this in this time, they would have to give the blood of bulls and goats. They would have to have their sins forgiven, every sin that they committed for a year. But thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Thank God we have Jesus Christ who gives us eternal forgiveness. It was a one-time payment. You don't have to go and do anything once a year. You don't even have to get saved once a year. You just get saved once, you trust in Christ once, and you are eternally forgiven. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and see that. Romans chapter 5, 
Look at verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this really uh, goes along well with some of the songs that we sang this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Remember that word atonement, which means reconciliation. It means forgiveness. Look at verse 8. It said, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So look, we have forgiveness from sin through Jesus Christ. If you would just trust in Christ, every sin that you've ever committed uh, has been nailed to the cross too, by the way. It has been nailed to the cross. It is covered by Jesus Christ. We no longer need the blood of bulls and goats. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. Verse 12, it says, Of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also are ye risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And look what it says, And you, if you're saved, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Not some, church, all. Look at verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, with, uh, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Man, that's amazing. Look at verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's, this song really remind, or this uh, verse and passage really reminds me of that great song, one of my favorite songs. It is well with my soul. And that wonderful verse 3, remember where it says, church, it says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but what? The whole. Is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. And then what does it say? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And you know what? The forgiveness that we receive from Christ is certainly worth praising the Lord about. Those that trust in Christ for forgiveness of sin and reconciliation to God, they freely receive it. The debt of sin is canceled. Every sin, as this passage tells us, is blotted out. It's never to be thought of by God again. Every sin is removed from our account, and now it's nailed to the cross. And guess what? It stays there. It doesn't follow you. It stays right there. And every sin has been fully covered by His blood. And as verse 15 tells us, as Christ rose from the dead, he proved to overcome Satan and every demonic force, he triumphed over every sin. His death on the cross, it brings us life. It brings life to all that believe. His resurrection from the dead gives us victory over every sin uh, to those that trust in him. And again, those of you that are here this morning that have yet to believe on the name of Jesus Christ, I, I implore you and I am begging you to run to him today. Regardless of your past sins, Christ is offering you complete and total forgiveness. As Charles Spurgeon truthfully said, he said, There may be some sins of which we cannot speak, 
But there is no sin of which the blood of Christ cannot wash away. And to the poor souls that are among us, that you may be just weighed down by the burden of guilt and of sin, just give it to Christ, because all sins can be covered by Him. Now, Jesus Christ in our text, He explains that even the most blasphemous and the most slanderous and the most wicked words and wicked deeds that people could ever say or do, those two can be forgiven. Let's go back to Mark chapter 3 again and look at the latter part of verse 28. Look at verse 28, the last part there. It says, And blasphemes, or blasphemies, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. Again, he's saying all sin shall be forgiven, even blasphemous words. Every evil word, every evil thought, Every terrible thing that somebody's ever said, it is all covered by the blood of Christ if we have trusted in Him. Now for those of you here that uh, have trusted in Christ, again, this truth should bring us great comfort. This truth should bring us great joy to know that you are uh, free from the wrath of God, that you are saved from your sins, to know that you are no longer at odds with God. By the way, despite your wickedness, Despite my wickedness, this should give us the greatest of all joys. All of God's children have this great salvation, and it is truly an eternal blessing. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and look at verse 3. Romans 4 verse 3. Look what it says. Verse 3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Notice there, he didn't do a work to get saved. He did not do a work to receive the, the gift of salvation and to, and to have reconciliation to God. But what? He believed God. Look at verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without, saying work, without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are covered and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. This passage, church, is very clearly explained to us that there is no work, there is no deed that could ever bring us salvation. It is only by the grace of God as we believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. This was so for Abraham. This was so for David. This was so for every Old Testament saint. It was not works that brought them salvation. It was believing God. It was trusting in Him. And those that have this great salvation, and I hope that if you're here this morning, you, can, you have this great hope. You have this salvation. If you do, you can say, as David said in Psalm chapter 32 and what is written right here, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. You know what he's saying there? When he says, blessed are they, this is what he's saying. Happy are they whose sins have been completely buried and have been covered by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed and happy are they that will not be held accountable or charged for their evil and their sin. This truly is a blessing and this is worth rejoicing over and this is worth being happy 
about. To know that our sins are gone. To know that they are covered by the blood of Christ is the greatest of all joys because it gives us reconciliation to God and eternal life with Him. To know that all my sin has been covered by the blood of Christ. To know that I have forgiveness from God when, by the way, I've done absolutely nothing to deserve it. It is worth eternal praise to such a merciful God. Now, I want you to just... I want to just pause for a moment and ask you a question. Do you realize how great of a blessing this is? Do you, re- do you really understand this? Does this bring you joy? Some of you here look like you don't have much joy. Hey, listen, if you're saved this morning, you ought to have some joy. You ought to be a little happy. <laughs> it's okay to smile. You know, I... I Every once in a while I'll say this, if, if people smile and nod their heads, you know, that makes the sermon go a little quicker too, you know that? It's like, oh, okay, everybody's getting it. I don't have to repeat myself four times, right? But no, seriously, do you realize how incredible this is? What do we deserve? And I, I, I'm, I'm saying this about myself too. What do I deserve? I deserve, I deserve God to pour out his wrath on me forever in hell. That's what I deserve because I have offended God. And yet, because I'm his child... Because I have trusted in Christ, I am now seated in heavenly places with Christ. I have the inheritance that Jesus Christ brings me. So now I don't get what I deserve. I get what I don't deserve. I get forgiveness from God. And that is worth joy. That is worth having just immense joy and, and just, uh, just being happy. I mean, a lot of us, we would say, well, you know what? If I had a million dollars or two million dollars, I'd be happy. Well, you know what? You... If you're saved, you have an eternity waiting for you in heaven. And you get to see Jesus Christ as he is. And you get to be like him. You get to walk on streets of gold. You get to have uh, this eternal life where you're going to be living and dwelling with the glory of God forever. It's much greater than having some money here on earth for 70, 80, 90 years. We should have joy. And I believe that we, as saved people, we should ask God. Some of us, at times, and I get this way too, sometimes it's good to just do what David did and ask God to restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Because it truly is such a wonderful thing to know every sin I've ever committed is forgiven. Every sin. However, for those of you here this morning that, again, you're not in Christ, you have not trusted in Him, there is one sin that is unpardonable. There is one sin that causes mankind to be forever at odds with God. There's one one sin, church, that sends souls to hell every single day. There's one sin that causes eternal separation from God. So let's go back and look at Mark chapter 3. And look at verse 29. Mark chapter 3 verse 29. Look at verse 29. And again, Jesus is speaking here. He tells us in verse 28, every sin that you commit, it can be forgiven. Even, even if you blaspheme, if you say crazy things, it can be forgiven. Look at verse 29 though. But he that, ha- that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. I've seen this portion of scripture taken grossly out of context even recently. 
there's actually lots of ideas of what this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit actually is. Some have incorrectly said that uh, it, it, it is to say that Jesus said something he never said. Uh, some incorrectly say that it is to take Jesus' words out of context. But to say that, church, is to take this passage out of context. To slander the, the Holy Spirit of God or the name of God is not unforgivable. To use vulgar speech against God is not unforgivable. Is it wrong and is it a sin? Absolutely. And, and a blaspheming the Holy Spirit of God or, or slandering the name of God in that way is, is no way for a child of God to speak. But it is not, as Luke's account says, unpardonable. In fact, a giant of the faith in Scripture blasphemed God, and yet, by God's grace, he was forgiven and he was restored. And we see that example in 1 Timothy. Let's go there. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 12. I'm, just, I'm setting the stage here to show you what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not. And then I'll show you what it is. Look at verse uh, 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. And this is Paul writing, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And we know what a nice guy Paul was before salvation, don't we? He was a murderer of Christians. He was feared by everybody in the church. And when he did get saved, people were worried. And they're like, wow, is this guy really saved? I don't know. I don't know if I want him here. If he were to walk in our church shortly after his conversion, we might all leave. He'd be afraid. But look what it says in verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. And by the way, let me just stop there and say, that's a good thing to do. You ought to thank God. You ought to thank Jesus Christ for your salvation every day. You ought to thank him for what he's given you every day. Look what it says, though. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And look what it says. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. What is he saying here? He's saying, well, you know, Timothy, before salvation, before I trusted Christ, I was a blasphemer of God. I was a persecutor of the church. I was a violent aggressor against the people of God. Listen, if there was anybody that didn't deserve salvation, it was the Apostle Paul. But what's it say? Yet the mercy of the Lord was exceeding abundant as, as I trusted in Christ by faith. He was saying, I obtained mercy and I was forgiven and this brought about rejoicing and thankfulness to God. In verse 15, Paul notes that he certainly was and is the chief of sinners. But you know, God is in the business of saving sinners no matter how great their sin is. Look at verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all ex uh, exception. And look what it says, that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Just think about that for a moment. You might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible sinner. I'm a, I'm a bad guy. Well, guess what? That's great, because Christ came to save you. <laughs> he came to save people like you. He came to save people like me. So I, I take you there to show you, church, that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it's not a single act. 
And actually, it's not even necessarily several acts. It's not cursing the name of God. It is not speaking against him. It is not saying that Jesus said something he never said. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, in order to find out, you know what we got to do? we got to look at the context of what Jesus is saying. Context is key. And, and a lack of understanding context always leads to false ideas. And this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, according to the context that is unforgivable, it is simply unbelief. Let's go back to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, look at verse 29. And we'll look at a few more places here in the surrounding verse here as well. Verse 29, look what it says. It says, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but this... Uh, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Look what it says. Here's the key word. Look at the first word of verse 30. Because. Because they had, they said, he hath an unclean spirit. So notice here, Jesus made the statement about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they said that he hath an unclean spirit. So this is very clearly referring back to verse 22. Look at verse 22. Again, context. Look at verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. So this blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is simply a rejection of the truth of God. He very clearly cast out Satan out of a man by the power of God because he was God. And they said, Nope, this was not God. This is of Satan. They did not believe. They had disbelief. So these scribes, they rejected the works of Christ, they attributed it to Satan, and therefore they were rejecting God himself. And this word blaspheme in, in Mark chapter 3 verse uh, 29, it means, uh, it means this church, it means to speak reproachfully of, to rail at, it is used of those who speak in a way that intentionally comes short of having reverence to God, but again, this is not a one-time sin, but it's rather a steady disposition and rejection of God. Well, how do we know this? Because the verb tense of this blaspheme, it is imperfect, which means it is a continual action. That means it is a habitual and repeated rejection of the truth of Christ. This means that this sin is speaking of a continued hostility towards God, even after being exposed to the truth of Christ Time and time and time again. And is that not what the scribes and Pharisees so often did? Did they not continually reject the truth of Christ and the works of God? They constantly fought against it. Uh, they endlessly had hostility towards Jesus and, he, and they wanted him dead. They made plans to kill him. So look, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a continual rejection of God as the Holy Spirit is revealing truth and is convicting of truth. And listen, listen, church, this unbelief cannot be forgiven. Now you may say, well, why? Well, well, answer me this. Tell me this. How can somebody be forgiven by God, or rather by a God that they don't even believe in? How can somebody be forgiven by a God they don't even trust in? Time and time again, the lost are called to repent 
of their sins and to believe on Christ. And this is the only way of forgiveness from God. We know that in, in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, which we've already seen before. And in Acts chapter 16 verse 31, it tells us to repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe on Christ. What does it say again in Romans chapter 10 verse 9? That we are to believe and confess. We are to trust in the gospel. But those that continue to reject the truth of Christ and of God, they are in danger of facing the eternal consequences of that choice. They're in danger of never having forgiveness from God, again, unless they repent. Look again at verse 29 of Mark chapter 3. Look at the last part there. It says, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now, it's important to note that this this phrase here is not referring to hell, but rather the soul that continually rejects God. He's saying here that they are in danger of committing an everlasting sin that brings them everlasting guilt. For those that trust Christ for salvation, they are eternally free from any guilt and any shame and the death that sin brings. But those that continue to reject the truth of Christ, they're in danger of facing the consequence of everlasting guilt because of it. And once one continues to reject God, listen to this closely, once somebody continues to reject God at a certain point, they do and they will reach the point of no return, and then it becomes an eternal sin. And for those that are in our presence this morning and you are refusing to come to Christ, again, I beg you to to wait no longer. Stop messing around. Stop waiting, because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. The Bible tells us that life is a vapor, and that's so true. You never know when you're going to take your last breath. You don't know when the last time will be that you hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the longer that you, that you wait and the more that you reject, the closer you get to that edge. And listen, sooner or later, you're going to fall off that cliff. And one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to hear the news that every lost soul should tremble at. And you know what that news is? The news is that God was real all along. The news is that Christ was and is the only way to salvation after all. The news that will be received by those that reject Christ and who are, whose names are not found in the book of life will be that they are going to be cast into the lake of fire to suffer the wrath of God. So the sin, the sin, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit of God, it can never be forgiven. But it can never be forgiven, not because it's a sin that's too big for God to forgive, but rather because it is a continually rebellious heart that cares nothing for the truth of God or for His forgiveness. It is a continual rejection of God's truth. And listen, God cannot save somebody that refuses to be saved. I want you to imagine that you were drowning in the middle of an ocean and you were uh, this, this sailor on this rowboat happened to just come by and he sees you from a distance, he hears your cries for help, he paddles as quickly as he can to, to try to save you. But once he gets to a certain point, he realizes if he does not do something quickly, then it will be too late and you're going to die. So what does he do? He takes a, a light buoy and he throws it as far as he can and it's attached to a rope and he's holding on to the rope and he tosses it right next to you. Well, you know what, what, what happens next? Right then and there, you have a choice. You either believe that that life buoy will save you and you grab onto it, or you don't. And if you believe that that life buoy can save you, you will grab onto it and you will be saved. 
And so it is with the gospel of Christ. If you believe that Christ can save you, you will repent and trust in Christ. You will turn from your sin and you will turn to Jesus Christ. And if you don't and you continue to reject, and one day you will face the wrath of God. So listen, trust in Christ and grab the lifeline. Now, I know we of course have, I would assume, and, and, and pray that we have many Christians in our uh, congregation. Many people that have trusted in Christ. If you are a believer in Christ, I want you to understand very clearly that you could never commit the unpardonable sin. You, you can't. Because if you are in Christ, understand that uh, to commit the unpardonable sin is to reject the truth of God. Well, if you're a Christian, if you have trusted in Christ, you have embraced the truth of God. You, if you're a Christian, you have decided to follow Christ. And I've heard stories of Christians that were actually worried that they have committed the unpardonable sin and they're, they're, they're going to go to hell and they're all worried about it. But as one person said, if you're worried about it, you have not committed it. You, you haven't done it. Because since blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is a continual rejection of God, if you're somebody that desires to know God and you're concerned about your sin, you are not committing this sin because you're not rejecting Christ. I like what H.A. Ironside said. That he said this, these words that Christ spoke, were never intended to torment anxious souls honestly desiring to know Christ, but they stand out as a blazing beacon, warning of the danger of persisting in rejection of the Spirit's testimony of Christ until the seared conscience no longer responds to the gospel message. So look, if you're in Christ today, you don't have to worry about this. You, you have been forgiven from your sins. And look, if you're a child of God today, I, I challenge all of you to rejoice in the fact that every sin, past, present, and future, has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what we ought to do with that? We ought to live with that truth ever before our eyes. We ought to live our life in light of the gospel. Hey, listen, if you've been forgiven by God, then live like it's true. Live like it's so. You know, we all have been given... We all have given God innumerable reasons not to love us, haven't we? Every day we sin against God. Even Christians, we, we sin. You know that? We, we all do wrong. We, we give God countless reasons not to love us, and yet nothing stops Him from lavishing His love and mercy on us day after day and for eternity. And when we live in remembrance of what we get despite what we deserve, you know what's going to happen? We will live for God's glory. So, believer in Christ, I encourage you this morning to live without doubts of God's love for you. He loves all that are His. And as Roman tells us, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So live striving to please Him in all that you do. Live loving Him as He has first loved you. Uh, his love is beyond comprehension. It is worth uh, a life being dedicated to Him. And you need to live your life with the joy of knowing that you are redeemed and you're forgiven and you are pardoned. Remember 1 John, we looked at that for about a year, not too long ago. The Apostle John, he opened that epistle by writing in verse 4, he said, all these things have I written unto you. Meaning all the, everything that is contained in this letter, I have written unto you. Why? So that your joy may be full. And what follows uh, that verse is the truth of God. 
What follows is the truth of forgiveness that every believer has. The, the love of God that his children experience every day. What follows uh, that verse is the adoption, the truth of the adoption that uh, all have that call upon him. Written in those pages is the assurance that we have as we rest in God's grace. Found in those pages are the many spiritual blessings that we receive as heirs of Christ. And found in those pages is a wonderful truth that when we remember it, it will bring us the fullness of joy. Look, if you're saved this morning, you have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I want to ask you this this morning as we get ready to close. Listen to this. Is your joy full knowing this truth? Are you rejoicing in your salvation today? Every sin that you've ever committed has been forgiven. So tell me this, what more could you ask for? What more could you want? He has just given us so many great blessings. And I love the song, and maybe you've heard it before, and I think maybe we've sung it here before, called His Mercy is More. I want to read the lyrics to you as we get ready to close. It says this, and it just speaks so well to what this, this whole truth is about. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into the sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam. What father so tender is calling us home. And listen to this. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. But his mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness new every morn. And look, and listen to this verse. It says, what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Hey, Christian, is your life, praise the Lord, for his mercy? Is your joy full? Are you living your life in light of the truth of the gospel of Christ? We have so much. Look, when we sing, and as we go about our day today and, and tomorrow and into next week, we ought to be rejoicing because we have salvation that lasts for eternity. And nothing can take it away. And by the way, you can't even take your own salvation away. If you're in Christ, guess what? He will hold you fast. He holds you in his hand. And there's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from him. But again, I say, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Christ and you don't have forgiveness from God, please stop waiting. Come to him today. Fall on his grace today. I would love to take the Bible. And if you have any questions, just show you uh, more about how you can know that you have eternal life. He's inviting you to, 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 to trust in him. He says, I am willing and I am ready to forgive. But you must come to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. We don't have a piano, but that's okay. But we are going to have a time of invitation just to, to consider what was preached this morning. And maybe you are here this morning and you... You're not rejoicing in the truth of your salvation the way you should be. Maybe you feel miserable 
And we all get that way sometimes, don't we? Maybe a little depressed, maybe a little scared or whatever. Maybe your eyes aren't on the right things. Maybe you need to refocus your, your eyes and your mind on Jesus Christ and the truth that is found in Him. Maybe you need to ask God this morning to restore the joy of your salvation. I don't know what the Lord spoke to you about, but you do. But if you're here this morning again and you've not trusted in Christ, come to Him today. If you have any questions about anything, please see me. Do not leave this building. Do not walk out those doors without knowing that you have eternal life. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make to trust in our Savior for forgiveness from God and reconciliation to Him. He is ready and willing to forgive. Christian, let's just take, if anything, at least just take a few moments to thank Him for that. Let's take some time to pray and then we'll sing our last song. Let's go ahead and just pray for a little bit here. everybody we're gonna close our service by singing a very fitting song if I could find it here um, Cole it's not on there but if you can try to pull it up on the screen anyway uh, we're gonna sing Jesus paid it all we should have that song if not it'll be on page 438 of your hymnal we'll sing verse 1 2 and then 4 Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it all. All. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin 
had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Chassis. We do have some announcements real quick to give you. Keep in mind that uh, we do have a business meeting for all of our members on Wednesday after service. So uh, again, if you're a member, you know what that's about. Just be sure to be present for that. And uh, keep in mind also that Easter is next Sunday. So be sure to invite somebody to come have a seat with you. Uh, tell them, you know, hey, I'll save you a seat if you come with me. You can invite your, fam your family, friends, coworkers, whatever it may be. And uh, remember also that Reds Up Photography will be here during the service and after the service. And they are going to take pictures for anybody that wants to do a, a mini session for free uh, in the fellowship hall after the service. So I appreciate them coming over and doing that. So uh, if you want to get like a family photo or whatever, then that'd be a great time to do that. And then also we're going to be having the Lord's table that night, okay? So we're going to have communion that night, and uh, it'll be the whole service, of course, as usual. And it's a great time to do that, just, you know, Easter Sunday to commemorate the Christ and, and his death and what it means for us. Also, uh, keep in mind that we have door-to-door -door coming up. And again, it's still a lot of snow, but hopefully by the 20th of April, uh, it'll be gone, or at least mostly gone. And we are going to go door-to-door. Uh, and we're going to do it differently. We're going to do it on Thursdays, okay? So Thursdays at 5 o'clock, we'll meet here at the church. If you don't get off work quite at that time, if you're like get out at 5, then you can still come on out and uh, we'll wait for you and we'll get you teamed up with somebody and then we'll have a meal afterwards. We'll just go knock doors for an hour or so and we'll have a meal. Uh, we need to know though if you're going to come to it because we're going to have to plan for the food and plan for the fellowship time. So we'd uh, like you to sign up if you could. And now here's the thing. It is the job of the Christian to evangelize, right? It is the job of the Christian to share the gospel. So if you're like, well, you know, I've never done that before. I've never knocked on doors or hung door hangers. Do, do not let that stop you. We will get you with somebody that thinks that they know what they're doing, okay? <laughs> Keyword thinks, right? Like we all, look, I'll just be honest with you. I get nervous about it sometimes. Knocking on a door, you don't know what somebody's going to say. Uh, but again, you don't even have to necessarily knock on the door. You can also hang up a door hanger. Uh, we just, we want to saturate our community with the gospel, and I think it's a good thing to do. We preach the gospel every Sunday, but we're supposed to do it more than that, right? We want to let our community know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, if you've not done it before, don't let that stop you. It is only two times a month. Again, we're, I think what we said was the first and third Thursday, I believe. I can't remember, but I'll have to look. But it's, it's really a minimal commitment just twice a month uh, to share the gospel with those that are lost. And uh, by the way, teenagers and kids can come too. Last year, our kids came every Saturday, they, and they thought it was great. They're hanging up door hangers, you know, talking to people, and they did a good job. They thought it was great. They tried to get rid of the five or ten, you know, door hangers they had, and uh, they, they enjoy it. So uh, it's not just for adults. Teenagers and kids can help too. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the fact of the matter is we can say all we want. I'm burdened for souls. I want to see people get saved. Okay, well, let's do something about it. All right? Let, let's, let's get out there. 
and just be on board and try to share the gospel with people. And I know that, that we, we are to do that on an everyday basis, but this is a great tool and a great uh, vehicle to share the gospel with people in our community that we normally would not uh, run into or talk to. So if you, if you are planning to do that, please sign up for it because we really want to know. Uh, and, of course, we have a, a couple more weeks until we get to that point, but it's good to start planning and preparing ahead of time. And, again, I, look, I literally would not be bothered if you said, you know, I don't really want to knock on the door. I'll just hang up a door hanger. Great. That's great. The, the, the gospel's still going to get on somebody's door, and uh, they're still going to get an invite to church, which is what we're looking to do. So uh, just make sure you sign up. It's in the, uh, the entryway on the table as you're walking out. It'll be on the left-hand side next to the prayer box. So that's all I got for announcements. And, I, and look, I know I, I was telling Mike every time, and he said I do this too. Uh, every time we say amen, we're either one of two things happen. We either get talking to somebody. And we forget, or we're in such a hurry to get out of here and go to Tang's that we just don't even think about it, right? So, <laughs> so think about it, okay? Just try to remember, uh, and we would appreciate that very much. And if you're, if you're like, you know what, I, I always forget, just put my name on it, I'll do that, okay? I'm not, I'll take the time, and I'll remember it for you. So, all right, so that's all I got for announcements. So, uh, at this time, Tom, would you close the service in prayer?